This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Welcome to Healthy Versus Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today I have several questions. Can I talk about the nature of rejection with the different personality disorders? What is emotional numbness? Does rejection lead to emotional numbness? And what is the long-term effect of being manipulated by somebody who has extreme personality features? So I'll cover all the personality disorders here, but I'll be placing a special emphasis on cluster B, personality pathology, in particular, antisocial, narcissistic, and borderline. So first I'll take a look at rejection, then emotional numbness, and then take a look at the personality disorders and how they relate to those constructs. So looking at the nature of rejection itself. Rejection in the context of romantic relationships is an interesting topic. There's actually some debate about what rejection really does. A popular theory is that it leads to shock, feelings of neutrality, and emotional numbness. These are referred to as non-valenced because theoretically, they're not clearly associated with either positive or negative emotions. Other theories emphasize how rejection simply leads to negative affect, so negative feelings. Part of this theory really says that people mostly have positive emotions and few negative emotions. So if, after a rejection, we see equal amounts of both positive and negative emotions, that should be considered negative affectivity because it is decidedly more negative than the normal state. So here we see a distinction between emotional numbness and negative feelings. This theory that emotional numbness can be a consequence of rejection is called the numbness hypothesis. So let's take a closer look at emotional numbness. So we see that emotional numbness is an absence of feeling and unresponsiveness to stimuli. It also has characteristics like lethargy, altered perceptions of time, avoidance of self-focused attention, and perceptions of meaninglessness. Negative feelings can include a variety of reactions like anger, sadness, guilt, shame, nervousness, worry, and fear. So we see that Emotional numbness is quite a bit different than negative feelings. Now, the research literature focuses on relatively sudden rejection, and it tends to focus on what I'll call physical rejection. So what I mean by this is, in the context of a romantic relationship, one partner leaves another. There are also more subtle types of rejection that I'll talk about in a moment. Now, these three reactions to rejection are thought to be linked together in the following way. First, we see shock. This is a negative feeling, unlike neutrality and numbness. This is thought to 
desensitize a person, which leaves them feeling neutral, as opposed, again, to negative. When somebody's feeling neutral, they still respond to stimuli. Neutrality can then progress to numbness. Numbness, again, is an insensitivity to stimulation. So this is, again, kind of how they're conceptualized, how they link together. This debate over the numbness hypothesis is not settled in the research literature. We see mixed results. Here's what I think is the most accurate conceptualization based on the current state of the research. The reaction to rejection probably involves only shock and numbness, and that numbness does actually contain some negative affect. So numbness isn't really the complete absence of emotion. The theory here is that rejection produces an insensitivity to emotional and physical pain, just like extreme physical pain sometimes produces an insensitivity to physical pain. We see that when people are in a state of numbness, they have less empathy for other people, and they cannot predict future emotional reactions reliably. I mentioned the insensitivity to both emotional and physical pain. This is typically only observed when the rejection is severe. Interestingly, mild rejection actually creates a hypersensitivity to pain, which means the slow-moving emotional starvation type of rejection that we see used by narcissists, for example, may be more physically painful than a sudden departure of the romantic partner. So now I'm going to distinguish the two types of rejection that I alluded to before. I kind of covered physical rejection a bit, but I'll expand on emotional rejection as well here. So with the physical rejection side, two people are in a romantic relationship and one physically leaves. There are many reasons for this. It's usually not associated with any personality disorder or extreme personality features. It can simply be a decision that someone makes because they don't feel like a romantic partnership is what they want. Somebody could physically reject a partner because that partner has been abusive. A person could reject the romantic partner acting in the best interest of that romantic partner. For example, if somebody has struggled with severe substance use and that's caused a lot of turmoil and legal problems, they may leave the relationship for the sake of the other person. So physical rejection can be complex. Now, emotional rejection is a bit different. This is slow moving. It can take place over the course of weeks, months, or years. It's more associated with personality pathology, especially narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders. This type of rejection involves rejecting a partner's value, affection, and love. It also involves showing disrespect. The intent of this type of rejection isn't necessarily to end the romantic relationship. It's often done as a method of control. It can also be thought of as emotional starvation or emotional harm. I'll cover a lot of different characteristics of emotional rejection as I look through each personality disorder, but in general, we see behaviors like avoidance, lack of empathy, coldness, manipulation, criticism, and devaluation. Now, just like with physical rejection, emotional rejection can take place outside of extreme personality features. For example, somebody may avoid their partner because they are afraid of them. They may criticize their partner because they legitimately have concerns about serious behavior manifested by that partner, like criminal behavior. In general, though, this type of rejection is thought of as manipulative. It's used to control a partner. So it is associated with malice and typified by boundary problems. Sometimes I get asked, which type of rejection is really worse in the long run? Well, physical rejection is painful and it does change things quickly right? So it's suddenly painful. Somebody doesn't really expect it, and all of a sudden, they're hurting. Emotional rejection is subtle. It does damage over a long period of time. 
really both these types of rejection are quite harmful. And a lot of it has to do in terms of physical rejection with perception. So if somebody is physically rejected, that may hurt for a few months, but it could hurt for many years because of the perception, because somebody keeps investing energy in that rejection, right? They keep focusing on how painful it is and kind of revisiting the memories. Now, emotional rejection is hard to get away from. So it covers a long amount of time and somebody's exposed to it and they don't really have a choice, right? So they can't escape some of the cognitive type distortions that might occur with physical rejection that might extend how long physical rejection hurts. So just looking at it that way, I think emotional rejection carries the potential for more pain because of that reason. But again, both are very harmful and it really depends on the specific person and their circumstances in terms of determining which one would cause more suffering. So I'm going to go through each personality disorder and talk about the nature of the physical and emotional rejection we might see. With some of these personality disorders, this is fairly straightforward. And with others, it's a little bit more nuanced. All of these descriptions will presume a romantic relationship that was expected to continue. So not like a dating situation where who knows what the outcome is going to be, but a committed partnership like marriage that was entered into with the expectation that the couple would remain together. Just for the sake of clarity, I'm going to use a person A, person B scenario. Person A will have the personality disorder that I'm talking about and only that disorder. So I'm not really looking at comorbidity here. Person B will have no personality pathology. Even though I'm looking at rejecting behavior from the side of the individual with personality pathology, it is important to note that either person could reject the other in these types of relationships. So I'll get started with cluster A personality pathology, paranoid personality disorder. So on the physical side, typically this type of rejection would happen after person A demonstrated a long history of distrust for person B. The rejection may be sudden so that person A doesn't tip their hand to person B. So person A really wants to maintain the element of surprise. The rejection may also be based on a suspicion of infidelity, which is extremely common with this disorder. From the emotional side, here we wouldn't expect to see person A as necessarily manipulative, but rather as distrustful. And that distrust increases to where we would see more coldness and spying behavior. There would be extreme violations of privacy, like person A trying to obtain person B's password for electronic devices and planting cameras or other recording devices all around their residence. So disturbing behavior to be sure, but not done with the intent of changing what person B is doing, right? So it's not really manipulation in the sense that person A is trying to alter what person B is doing, but rather they want to find out covertly what person B is doing. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people 
and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Emotional numbness could happen with paranoid personality disorder, but fear and anxiety are also common responses on the part of person B. Now, as I move on through cluster A, I'm going to cover schizoid and schizotypal together. I put these two together because neither disorder is really associated with entering into a long-term romantic partnership, especially schizoid, right? That one is typified by being alone. So there's not really much to say here in terms of the physical rejection. In a situation where somebody with one of these disorders was in a relationship, the physical rejection may occur simply out of a lack of interest. Now, emotional rejection would probably be characterized by unresponsiveness, so simply not talking to person B. I wouldn't expect to see any manipulation or devaluation with these two personality disorders. Now looking at antisocial personality disorders, we're moving to cluster B, personality pathology. On the physical side, here this rejection can be sudden because with antisocial, we see impulsivity, sensation-seeking, and boredom, right? So these are strongly associated with that disorder. Usually this rejection will take place because person A finds someone more exciting or just new and different. So again, the novelty-seeking component. This type of rejection could also be involuntary. I've seen this a few times, specifically when a person is incarcerated, right? Which is somewhat common with antisocial personality disorder. With the emotional side, it comes in many forms here. A lack of a sense of safety on the part of person B because person A is being reckless. We see person A playing the victim. A failure to accept responsibility for behavior can be a part of this, even when person A is clearly responsible for a specific wrongdoing. Emotional numbness is common with antisocial personality disorder, again, on the part of person B. Now moving to narcissistic personality disorder, NPD. So with NPD on the physical side, typically this rejection is planned well in advance, or at least a little bit in advance, and it's executed because person A has lost control of person B. So the manipulation tactics are no longer successful, or person A identifies a new romantic partner that they believe has a higher level of status. That's important to someone who's narcissistic. If property division is a factor in the dissolution of the relationship, person A is going to want more than their share. So a protracted court battle may be indicated. With emotional, this disorder is associated with the highest level of emotional rejection and harm out of all of the personality disorders, although it's arguable with borderline personality disorder at the extreme devaluation stage. But either way, in general, kind of over the course of the relationship, NPD probably causes the most harm. We see a number of malicious behaviors here with the emotional rejection, manipulation in many forms, including person A recruits allies against person B, sometimes referred to as flying monkeys. We see spreading rumors, playing the victim, vicious, unhelpful criticizing, emotional invalidation, right? So when person B says that they feel angry or sad or disgusted or whatever it is, Person A is going to say that emotion is not valid based on the circumstances. We see false allegations, gaslighting. So person A trying to convince person B that person B is the problem, trying to restrict the freedom of person B. So a lot of control tactics and never taking responsibility. This type of rejection often leads to a feeling of numbness. NPD is probably the most associated with this. We also see anger, aggression, self-doubt, depression, and anxiety 
on the part of person B. Person B may not leave the relationship because person A continually asks for forgiveness, they promise to change, they perform grand gestures to prove their love, like buying expensive gifts, and they beg person B not to leave, right? So there's a lot of reasons why person B might stay in that relationship with person A. Moving over to borderline personality disorder, on the physical side, what really stands out here with physical rejection is that it's often followed by acceptance. So we see an idealization devaluation pattern. We see an on-again, off-again type of relationship. This also occurs with the emotional rejection. We see devaluation, playing the victim, false accusations, criticism, anger, and aggression, followed by emotional acceptance. Person A proclaiming that person B is the best thing that ever happened to them, right? So we see, again, kind of this stark difference between the behavior in maybe one week and the behavior in another week. Now, person B can develop emotional numbness from this. It's somewhat common, but it's often described more as just being tired. Person B might love person A, but they just can't deal with the ups and downs of the relationship. Now, looking at the last cluster B personality disorder, which is histrionic personality disorder. On the physical side, this tends to take place in the form of an affair without necessarily intending to leave person B. It still qualifies as physical rejection, of course. On the emotional side, here we see person A talks to person B about how attractive another person is. So there's a lack of awareness about why that would be hurtful. We see person A flirts with another individual in front of person B, again, without any regard or understanding of person B's feelings. So really a lack of empathy. So this type of emotional rejection is harmful, but there may be a lack of awareness that harm is actually being caused. On the part of person B, I expect to see disbelief and anger more so than emotional numbness due to the boldness and lack of insight associated with that type of emotional rejection we see with histrionic. Now moving to cluster C, personality pathology, I'll start with avoidant. The physical rejection side here, this is extremely rare. It's less likely to happen with avoidant than any of the other personality disorders. If it did happen, there's a tendency that person A would reconsider and try to reinstate that relationship, try to come back. On the emotional side, with this disorder, we usually think of the emotional harm as being unintentional more a product of the person's fear of embarrassment and humiliation. It is an active avoidance as opposed to a passive avoidance, like we might see with schizoid personality disorder, but there's not really a manipulation component to it. For example, person A may not want to go anywhere with person B, like they may not want to go to a restaurant or to a movie. Person A feels rejected and alone, but that's not the intent. Instead of emotional numbness here for person B, what I often see is frustration and disappointment. Moving to dependent. This one's actually pretty straightforward because it's not really associated with physical rejection. There isn't really any emotional rejection associated with it either, although there may be some emotional harm caused by the dependent behavior. But again, this isn't really tied specifically to rejection. Now moving to the last personality disorder, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. On the physical side, what we see here is not so much leaving the relationship, but being increasingly unavailable due to an overinvestment in work. Emotional rejection is really about being unavailable and demanding perfection. Person B feels like they are second best in the relationship. They'll always be less important than person A's work. 
Person B also feels scrutinized, criticized, and controlled. Emotional numbness is actually fairly common with OCPD rejection, along with anger, anxiety, and depression. So the last thing I want to talk about here is the role of control and how this affects growth as a person. We see this control dynamic with a few of these personality disorders, specifically paranoid, narcissistic, and OCPD. I've noticed throughout my career that people who have suffered this type of exposure with these certain personality disorders, especially narcissistic, tend to stop growing and developing. They stop building their skills. They have a reduced interest in learning new things and trying new things. Why is this, right? Why does this happen? Well, one reason could certainly be the emotional numbness that is tied to the rejection with these personality disorders. No action means no self-betterment, right? So if somebody's just kind of emotionally numb and they're not motivated, that could explain why they're not working to develop and grow. Another part would be because they're not allowed to make mistakes. So what do I mean by this? The constant criticism and scrutiny doesn't allow for the most valuable type of learning. Mistakes are still made, of course, but there's no safe place to process those mistakes. Mistakes are really the best teacher, and person B in this scenario is denied access to that teacher. Without accurately appreciating, exploring, and accepting mistakes, there is no learning. The victim is not allowed to laugh at themselves, but rather they feel uneasy about every mistake that they make, right? So it becomes almost like perfectionism, almost like an obsessive compulsive component from their part, trying to avoid the harm caused by person A. So essentially, the victim is not allowed to acknowledge their mistakes and figure out how to avoid them in the future. And without this type of learning, the victim doesn't grow. It's really just a testament to the horror and power of the emotional rejection tactics. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Brightigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, 
parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.